The GameCube is Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube is Cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tiers. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 level. I Rebel, Dean Donian, Jed Winters, Joey Sirico, Resident Evil Collector on Instagram, Link, Marty Thompson, Double Ugly, Bendito, Benito, AJ Olson 11, Cube Dude, Bogus Lotus, Doomerzan782, and Jude Hanlon. The GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. But anyway, Mike, that's how the magazine that I saw today in uh, in Walmart um, taught me that I should never date Leonardo DiCaprio because that was a big goal of mine. But now it is no longer one. You can maybe date Raphael, but oh, we are live, Neil. Oh, well, Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome back from your, your vacation or your work trip, I suppose. How was uh, Finland and Poland? You were gone for quite a while there. Quite a while, and yet we still put out episodes, Neil, the magic of editing. Ooh. I love it. <laughs> uh, it was great. I had a great time. Visited some uh, two new countries. Uh, went to Poland for work, of course. That was a lot of fun. Got to experience Polish culture. Ate a lot of pierogies and cabbage rolls, kosla. A lot of bread, Neil. Not a lot mm. of greens in Poland. Mostly bread. Nice. <laughs> Bit like the UK then. Same kind of thing where like every vegetable with a meal is like carrots or, <laughs> yeah. or parsnip. And then you just get a lot of flaky things, a lot of breads. So yeah. I, I respect that. Yeah, me too. Me too. But I was happy to go to Finland and have some greens afterwards. Uh, a lot of fish, which I love. Big fish fan. Real big fish fan. <laughs> I am a real big fish fan. And I had some, some interesting Finnish cuisine. I had... A uh, couple things like salmon soup, uh, creamy salmon soup, they oh. dill and potatoes and stuff like that in there. Okay. Uh, I had salmon or Finnish pizza, which is salmon and peas and onions on a pizza. That sounds delicious. Let's pause there for a moment. What's that like? Oh, it was amazing. I <laughs> I loved it so much. And again, uh, you and I are big salmon lovers. Mm-hmm. So uh, on a pizza, mm, just mm. so good. And something about the, the crust they use, it was like extra cheesy. Okay. So that it was like that cheesiness with the salmon, mm-hmm. uh, garlicky as well, which was oh really really nice. So I highly recommend that. Great one. date food that I'm assuming. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Just that, that you need like a, like ten mints after you've had a slice of that stuff. That sounds amazing <laughs> yeah. though. I've never seen that on a menu anywhere here. But man, gotta try that on my own. It just sounds like salmon and cream cheese with like peas or capers or whatever, but uh, pizza form. So I uh, have to try and make that myself or something. That's what I want to do now. That's going to yeah. be my new goal is to make a, a Finnish pizza, Finlandia uh, salmon pizza. Mm. Uh, I also had a, a kind of, I don't know, all, all the Finnish names for things are really long because <laughs> they kind of put all these words together and that's just how the Finnish language works. But mm. um, the whatever it was that I had is basically these like little herrings uh, that are, are cooked, fried, and they're gutted. So you actually don't get much meat in them, but it's you're basically eating the fried fishkins. Mm, okay, and that's just something that they have. That sounds delicious. I love fried fish skin. Now, oh, it was very good. Now, is that like a snack or is that more of like a meal? 
It was like a lunch. Yeah. Okay. So like they, they, they serve a whole bunch of them like just on a big plate and then they have, you know, put some tartar sauce on it and uh, some salad, potatoes, mm. lots of potatoes. Yeah. Love potatoes. I'm, I'm part Irish. So yeah. Potatoes every day, all day, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, it was an awesome journey. Got to experience the city of Helsinki and mm-hmm. and Poland as well. And yeah, I can't wait to, to go back. Uh, of course, I am part Finnish. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to experience the motherland for the first time. Sweet. And did you happen to come across any arcades or video game stores while you were away or pretty uh, pretty light on the gaming front? Light on the gaming front for once. Mm. I went to a couple of Finnish record stores, but uh, mm. no, uh, no games to be found, or at least I didn't look too hard. I'm mm. sure there was some cool retro video game stores, but there was an amazing Lego store, Neil. Cool. That was Sweet. in Helsinki. Uh, and my favorite part about it was that it's not a Lego store necessarily. Like, you you know, we have the Lego store everywhere mm-hmm. all around the world. This was like a, like, third-party reseller Lego. Like a like a <laughs> Mac outpost for, like, Apple products, you know nice. what I mean? Nice. Perfect. But it was actual Lego products? Or was mm-hmm. it, like, was it discontinued items or just falling off the truck stuff? Uh, <laughs> no, it was, it was like, it was like real. It, it was basically a Lego store okay. uh, that sold... Uh, all kinds of cool Lego things that I hadn't really seen before. They had a lot of Harry Potter sets that I hadn't seen before. A couple of Star Wars ones that that seemed to be more rare. Um, and they had a huge collection of individual minifigures. Friend of the show, John, uh, I know, collects the some of the minifigures, including the ones from the Muppets. And right. I think he gave you a Beaker one, didn't he? He did. That's the only yes. one that I own. I love it. It's on my uh, it's on my gaming shelf right now. I was looking at a couple of them there. They were quite expensive because I think they're hard to find. Mm. Uh, but uh, they had a whole bunch of Muppet ones. Like they had Animal. They had uh, the uh, the old men and the, the critics. I forget their oh, names. Oh, uh, Stan Lowe and Waldorf? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, like a lot of like obscure ones. They had a ton of Simpsons ones there too. Uh, all the Harry Potter figures. Sure. Like, they had yeah. like really weird ones. Like um, they had Luna Lovegood. They had uh, – uh, Professor Lockhart, it, it, like it was, that was really neat to see. Uh, I, I, I should have bought more, but they were quite expensive yeah. to be fair. It, a- so it adds I, up. Like you, you pick out 10 and that's probably like <laughs> 50 bucks Canadian or something right there. So yeah, those, those oh, yeah, figurines add up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cause yeah. you have to buy like entire sets if you want to get them. So they might as well pick out the, the kind of sought after characters, I suppose. Mm. But I have a very important question there, Mike. Yes. Were there any Bionicles? Uh, no Bionicles. God. Unfortunately, Neil, okay. I know big miss there. But one thing that they did do that I really liked was they had uh, these sets that people made kind of on display in the middle of the store. Cool. And it was custom sets. So someone made like Moss Eisley and like the city, <laughs> but uh, without of like, you know, all the different sets. And they kind of put them all together and wow. made it look like uh, the city. It was really, really cool. Um, someone also made a Halloween party, which is just the, all like the superheroes and people in costumes <laughs> at a Halloween party. <laughs> That's incredible. I wish I yeah. could be creative like that to do things like that. I, I always just bought sets, made whatever was in the instruction manual and then moved on with my life. I, I love stuff like that. It's so cool. So the Lego stores are a really neat spot because I love them because it's like, it's not necessarily a store that they're trying to get you to buy things. They're really just trying to get you to discover Lego and then go online and buy Lego there. That's yeah. really what the stores are for. And that. 
it obviously works for you and friend of the show john and me every two or three years i happen to buy a lego set but while you were traveling the world mike i was back here playing video games holding down the fort and uh while you were gone as well splatoon 3 came out i want to talk about this real quick speaking of Mm -hmm. fish you i understand that you ate a lot of fish there so (laughs) you were kind of tapping into this splatoon vibe but Splatoon 3 sold 3.45 million copies domestically within the first three days of launch, making it the fastest-selling video game of all time in Japan, surpassing Pokemon Black and White, which was the previous record holder. That's crazy, Neil, the fact that... First of all, I was actually kind of surprised that Black and White was the the number one of all time. DS, I mean, Pokemon, yeah, yeah, just a perfect storm. Good point, good point. Um, But yeah, Uh, uh, 3.5 million almost Mm -hmm. uh, in like a couple days, in a weekend basically. Yeah. That's crazy. And I I think, I know you often say this, but this just is physical sales, right? This doesn't necessarily count digital. Yeah, Nintendo notoriously typically does not count virtual or digital sales with their games. That's only physical. And most Nintendo fans are physical buyers. I, I think that that's probably true i doubt that it's twice as many sold uh digitally but um i i loved splatoon 1 back in 2016 I, I bought splatoon 2 when it came out on switch but really i feel like i'm one of the fans that think that a lot of these games just look too similar for me to justify buying another one uh sure. donkey has a great video about it how it's like it's very similar and i just watch the donkey video of splatoon 3 it's really <laughs> funny uh i doubt i'll be picking this one up but i'm happy to see that this franchise has done so well in different markets and with with kids and with in asian markets and north american markets and there's competitive leagues with it and it's really simple for people to pick up and play it's a great it's a great series i'll, I'll probably just remember it as a game that i played a lot back in uh, 2016 and good on nintendo you know a good bump in their uh, share price going up with that game and the game itself landed an 83 on metacritic so just wanted to give a shout out to to a modern Nintendo game before we talk about some GameCube games today. But uh, before we do, we have a we have a topic here from Patreon, an opening topic. Listeners, remember, if you support the show on Patreon at the $5 level, you get your name read in the credits and the option to submit an opening topic for our opening segment, just like Cube Dude did today. Mike, Cube Dude wants to know, the Donkey Kong Jungle Beat episode got me thinking about Nintendo and Rare's divorce during the GameCube era. We were mm. sadly deprived of another Rare-developed Donkey Kong game, thanks to Nintendo selling Rare to Microsoft. They technically didn't sell Rare to Microsoft. Nintendo never owned Rare, but we get yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Another DK game with the Cube hardware powering it could have been a classic, in my opinion. For sure. Let's say the split never happened. Can you each pick a sequel to one of Rare's pre-GameCube games that you wish would have happened had they stayed together. Secondly, each of you can pick one of the games that Rare developed from Xbox after being acquired by Microsoft and pitch us a GameCube port for it. Uh, it obviously would have to be scaled back to work on the GameCube, uh, but uh, tell us about your fantastic picks. So Mike, I'll let you go first. Uh, what is a sequel to one of Rare's pre-GameCube game that you wish you could have seen on the Cube? Hmm, That's a great question. Thank you, CubeDube, for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Perfect Dark... Two, I guess you could call it. I, and I know Perfect Dark Zero exists. Yep. So let's just, you know, let's pretend that doesn't exist. Let's oh. pretend we have a, a whole new Perfect Dark because I, I feel like Rare probably probably would have gone some, maybe a different direction with it uh, being on Nintendo consoles still. I would love to see them or see Perfect Dark just on GameCube in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great game, but it doesn't run, you know, that well on Nintendo 64, even though it's such a such a tremendous game. Mm-hmm. So it would be really cool to see a sequel to it, 
that's made specifically for the GameCube. Yeah, I had Perfect Dark uh, with my second uh, my second one here. I guess I'll talk about it now, but just because you're right, there was a Perfect Dark game on Xbox technically, so yes. I think that being on GameCube would have been totally fine. I think, yeah. I'm like you, Perfect Dark for me is a Nintendo franchise, despite it being owned by Microsoft now. Uh, I still associate Perfect Dark with, uh, with the N64, so sure. it makes sense to be on GameCube. Uh, you look at the Xbox 360... I think that game was a 360 game you look at that uh that gameplay and like it looks like it could run on gamecube obviously as cube dude said it would have to be downgraded a little bit back uh to fit the graphical capability of the gamecube but i think it would just work so well as a four-player multiplayer game maybe you can have some callbacks to the n64 game maybe you can even have the n64 game as like an unlockable port as well um i think perfect dark 2 uh as like, like you said whatever we're going to call it here would have been a cool gamecube game for sure I think they announced that they're working on Perfect Dark 3 or whatever it's being called, but it also could have led beautifully into uh, Joanna Dark being a, a character for Smash, like in mm-hmm. in Brawl. I think that she would be perfect for Brawl, yes. along with like a solid snake kind of uh, kind of character. But uh, so that's my choice. That's for uh, part B of Cube Dude's um, Cube Dude's question here. So, Mike, I guess we'll kick it back to you. Uh, what, what's your second pick here for um, a game that was on Xbox that you'd like to see come back to GameCube? Well, this is a fun one, Neil. Uh, I'd like to see Viva Pinata be on GameCube. Yeah, because there aren't that many rare games that I could think of that were uh, exclusively for like made after the Microsoft purchase, other than Sea of Thieves and Viva Pinata and um, a couple others. But uh, those are the ones that stick out in my uh, my mind. No, no banjo kazooie nuts and bolts here. But no, 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 no. <laughs> um, Viva Pinata was one of those games that I remember it coming out and being like, "Wait, this isn't a Wii game." Like, it, <laughs> like yeah. and I think a lot of people felt that way too. And uh, I'm not really sure how it people think of it critically. I don't really like it uh, because I think it was weird that it was on a Microsoft console. But mm-hmm. I think that it could have done better at least for me it could have done a lot better uh if it was on a nintendo console because it definitely felt like that kind of style it's the the cheerfulness the colorfulness Mm -hmm. the the uniqueness of the game i think it would have worked really cool on uh on the gamecube i think they could have done some cool stuff and maybe incorporated a some somewhat of like a mario party mix in there as well so i think there's a lot of opportunities for viva pinata on a nintendo console for sure it's so weird how whenever a very kid-centric franchise comes out and isn't on nintendo everybody (laughs) like feels like wait what like it's like we don't think of microsoft and sony being the kid console you assume yeah sure they get skylanders they get disney infinity but so does the wii so does the wii u so does the switch when there's one of these viva pinatas that comes out like even ratchet and clank to a certain degree but one of these viva pinata kind of games comes out and it's weird when it's not on on nintendo i don't know anything about viva pinata so that's a great choice sea of thieves (laughs) would also be a cool choice but i feel like nintendo has wind waker and i feel like it would just like it's basically that's what i want wind waker to be so i think nintendo would probably rather not have that confusion but my choice i have to go back now to cube dude's first uh question here is uh what would I have liked to have seen uh, go from the N64 to the GameCube had uh, Nintendo and Rare not split is a sequel to Banjo-Tooie, uh, a real <laughs> sequel, not that nuts and bolts game that we did get. Um, I would love to see what Rare could have done with Nintendo, um, with the GameCube rather, uh, as a, with a 3D collectathon platformer. I know that they got a chance to make Star Fox Adventures, which was a, a cool game, which we talked about. It's a good game. It's a bad Star mm-hmm. Fox game, um, but not quite the collectathon that we know and love with Banjo. It doesn't have the worlds. It doesn't have the boss fights. 
it doesn't have the the jiggies and the uh, you know it doesn't have the the witch and all the characters and it doesn't have the musical notes and all of the transformations i think that rare working with nintendo to make banjo 3 would have been such a cool game uh to have had on this or to have had on the gamecube um Donkey Kong 64 is another one that I would like to maybe see now. I don't think we needed it on GameCube. I think I much would have rather have seen Banjo 3E, if you want to call it that, <laughs> yep, which yep. I'm still holding out hope for that we will see on uh, Xbox Series S or PC or Switch at some point. But I'm holding out hope for that. I love talking about Rare, Rare's history and uh, their current relationship with Nintendo. We're getting... Uh, 007 Goldeneye later on this year so yeah. that's really cool news which we talked about a few weeks ago so who knows where their relationship will go forward maybe we will see some of these games one day on Nintendo's future hardware but we're not here to talk about uh, Rare and Nintendo Mike we're here to talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles so why don't we jump into the episode what do you say Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Turtles in a half shell Robots in disguise <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 113 of the GameCube is Cool podcast New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet We're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games One by one, sometimes 12 by 12 So far, we have covered 494 games You can visit thegamecubewascool.com to check out all the things we we've been working on the website was developed by our very own mike lane as taught by master shredder master not master splinter huh hmm. oh sorry why did hmm. i say shredder oh, evil mike evil mike oh no <laughs> i mixed them up <laughs> as taught by master splinter uh shredder tried to take the website down oh okay but luckily you have a good vpn he couldn't quite get into you <laughs> yeah. last week we talked about metal gear solid twin snakes uh we were joined by friends of the show tristan and kira if you haven't already go back and check that episode out this week we are talking about the heroes in a half shell uh their return to consoles uh from a long hiatus from 1993 to 2003 not a single home console game from the teenage mutant ninja turtles so great to see them come back breaking the video game silence with uh, a few tmnt games on gamecube 5 to be exact and TMNT yeah. are synonymous with gaming, especially when you think about nerd culture and comic books and cartoons in the 80s and 90s, uh, right up there with Star Wars, Spider-Man, Lord of the Rings, Star Trek, all that stuff. So uh, TMNT going hand in hand with video games, with cartoons and all that. Everybody's childhood, if you were, grew up in the 90s, you knew what TMNT was. So Mike, let's uh, start with you. What are your memories of uh, TMNT from back in the day? Well, I think my first kind of, or my main memories, I guess, were watching the cartoon as a kid, uh, mm. the 2003 cartoon to be exact, uh, not the 80s one or late 80s one, although I did end up watching that later on. But um, uh, when we were around 10 years old, the the cartoon was on and it was very much like a, done in the same style as like Batman Beyond and X-Men, Justice League, same sort of animation and storytelling that was really big in the early 2000s and so Obviously, we watched that a lot because it was on with those shows. Mm -hmm. um, and in terms of the games, I uh, I played Turtles in Time actually quite a bit on, on our arcade cabinets. And I the reason I did that was because I had a or I have an aunt who owned a, a bar up north. And I think I talked about her a little bit on one of the episodes on the golf episode because she had a golf arcade game there that i played with the the white ball yep of course <laughs> gotta have it <laughs> right and they had a, a a teenage mutant ninja turtle arcade cabinet there that had turtles in time wow. on it and i'm not sure where that went she definitely doesn't have it anymore oh. but that's probably worth something uh oh for sure like because it worked <laughs> at least <laughs> at least 20 years ago it worked uh and yeah i would play that a lot 
uh, whenever I would go and see her. And I got pretty good at that game, actually. I can. It's one of the few arcade games that I actually played very much of mm. because, you know, you and I, we didn't really grow up in the arcade era no. necessarily, right? Like, we, uh, we know of a lot of arcade games. We have experience with playing arcade games, but we didn't grow up at going to our local local arcade every uh every day after school and putting a quarter in and playing the like, no. street fighter or something it's just because that wasn't available to us right so uh, that's one of the few ones where i go to these barcades now or things now that i'm older and uh, i always look for turtles in time because i know how to play that game really well uh i playing contra or stuff i just get my ass kicked yeah because <laughs> i just don't know the game that well but right. uh, turtles in time i can usually beat it sometimes if we uh if i like stay long enough we uh, we got pretty close to beating it i think when we we're at um uh when we were in new york meal playing at the barcade there they had turtles in time they did yeah that that's one of my memories of playing tmnt is on in the arcade cabinets like you and that was a great was that the same cabinet that your aunt had that was t that was turtles in time wasn't it or was it the yeah. original arcade game because there are a few no no it's not the original arcade game okay. it was turtles in time yeah okay cool so that was one of the first times i had played a turtles arcade game my uh my memory of the series goes back to I think it was kindergarten and my brother and I were making masks like TMNT masks out of paper plates and stuff. We were watching mm-hmm. the um the movie, the 1989 movie, which is a classic film. Yeah. <laughs> I love that movie so much. We were watching that, making these masks, you know, painting them green and giving them bandanas and and then wearing those going around the house with uh, obviously with empty uh gift wrap tubes uh, using those as our staffs <laughs> and our uh, daggers and whatnot and making a making nunchucks out of them so yeah we just made like our own little ninja turtles costumes but other than the two 1989 and 1990 or 91 films i really don't know much about the series to be honest i didn't watch a lot of the cartoons like 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 you did i i have much heavier nostalgia for spongebob beast wars and transformers and scooby-doo from when i was a kid tmnt mm-hmm. just wasn't one of those things that was uh on my in, in my peripheral at all Really, unfortunately, I do have nostalgia, kind of secondhand nostalgia for the series, I suppose, because sure. everybody had the toys, everyone had the lunch boxes and the t-shirts, so the backpacks, like, so I remember all yeah, that I stuff. Had a backpack. Yeah, the back and like <laughs> Halloween costumes every year, one kid was a Ninja Turtle. So it was always a part of my childhood and growing up, but never something that I knew a ton about. Um, I did play the odd game here and there, like you said, the arcade when you and I went to New York several years ago. I remember borrowing Turtles in Time from uh, our our high school friend Kyle because uh, he randomly, that was like the only SNES game I think he had. <laughs> I don't know why, so he lent that to me. So I played a bunch of that. I love 2D beat-em-ups on the SNES. So uh, that game is really fun. But yeah, like I said, other than that, like the, nothing else from the series really caught my attention. I remember the... Um, well, that Michael Bay, the director who made, who kind of rebooted it a couple of years ago, those films just did not look appealing to me at all. No, um, I'm not sure how well they did, if they're any good or not. I know that there was a random 2007 movie that came out as well, which looks okay. Um, which is, uh, we have a movie tie-in uh, today, Neil, to talk about. Exactly. Before. Yeah. One of those movie <laughs> tie-ins. So yeah, like other than the 89 movie and a few games here and there, that's about it for me. But it's a series that goes back all the way to 1984, starting as a comic book. This is a bit of a history lesson on TMNT, mm-hmm. uh, created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. Uh, since then, there's been nine feature films. There's actually one more on the way, believe it or not, Mike. And uh, <laughs> we love highest grossing media franchises. I don't know if you've seen the notes oh, yeah. yet, but do you know how high this one ranks? I haven't seen the notes yet for this. I would guess, because I think the highest rated, I think it's like the top 50. I'd, yeah. I'd guess maybe hmm, 38 or something. Oh, you were close. I thought you were going to be a bit closer there. It's 29. 
20. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. It's actually tied technically with Pac-Man and the Lion King, uh, which is awesome. It's just behind <laughs> The Simpsons and just ahead of The Avengers, not the MCU, like The Avengers comics, basically. Um, oh, interesting. Right with The Simpsons. That's yep. interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, most of that, as you can well imagine, is merchandise. Um, yes. The franchise has grossed about $15.4 billion USD to date. Most of that is made up of toys, T-shirts, merch, movies, and uh, then video games. Um, but between 1989 and 2022, we have 64 appearances in video games approximately, <laughs> Mike. Some of those are standalone. Most of those are just appearances in games from sure. the TMNT Ninja Turtles game and the arcades all the way up to Nickelodeon Kart Racers on the Switch. So a lot <laughs> of games, but uh, there's 20 mainline games, or at least 20 games that I would consider mainline games from... 1989 on the NES, all the way up until just recently, about maybe a month ago, we had uh, the Cowabunga collection on on Switch. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why we're doing this uh, this episode is to celebrate the Cowabunga collection because that's pretty cool that that uh, was able to come out. And yeah, like you said earlier, Neil, five games on the GameCube, which is pretty crazy. That's one of the ones that I always bring up when people talk about GameCube games with me and as they do now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, they'll like ask like, oh, what's something like really interesting? And I'll say how Shrek has five games and how Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has five games, which yeah. is a lot to have on uh, on the system. And even a 2007 game, of course, with the, the TMNT movie tie-in. But one more thing, Neil, that uh, you and I share in terms of uh, nostalgia mm-hmm. for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is uh, the show Totally Obsessed. Hmm. What is What does this have to do with Ninja Turtles, Mike? Do you remember the episode where uh, we have, oh, I forget her name, but this woman who comes on the show, mm-hmm. uh, Totally Obsessed, by the way, is an old, I think, one-season show I, hosted by the late, great Fred Willard. I don't know why that show only lasted one season. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Just if you want to have some fun, just look up Totally Obsessed on YouTube. You'll find so many great episodes. They're all hilarious. And Fred Willard, of course, is great uh, as the host of it. And he basically just goes through people's lives of being really obsessed with things. And there's a of course, the Pac-Man guy, he's which is best. one of our favorites. Yep. He's, right, he's the best. And uh, there's a Lord of the Rings lady yes. who has the cardboard cutouts. <laughs> and one of my personal favorites is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle lady who is obsessed with TMNT. Uh, she, uh, let's, uh, I have some stats on her here. Uh, <laughs> Michelle uh, is her name. Uh, she owns two of the heads from Turtles 3, the, the movie. That's crazy. Uh, each head cost $2,000, and she had to take out bank loans to feed that obsession. Uh, she's basically convinced that she is a Ninja Turtle. Uh, she lives on a strict Ninja Turtle diet, so you know what that means, Neil? Pizza. Lots of pizza mm. and weird-flavored pizza. Mm. So uh, bizarre toppings will be on there. Salmon and peas, maybe. And... Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's probably not going to turn out well. Um, she also spent $5,000 on karate lessons to <laughs> learn all, all the moves. Uh, and, you know, she's uh, living her best life uh, as, a, as, a, as a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. We should have got her on the show. I'm sure that she knows a lot about uh, the five Ninja Turtles games. But you're right. It is a thing that a lot of people don't know is that, like, there are five games. Three of them are what I would consider mainline games. One of them, like you said, is a movie tie-in. And the other one is kind of like a stealth really budget release that kind of came and went. No one really noticed it. Uh, the fighting game, of course, that we'll talk about in a little bit. But I wonder if that uh, that woman on Totally Obsessed has a complete TMNT collection. Because, I mean, 60 plus games, that's, uh, that's a pretty hefty shelf that she must have by now. It must be. And you know what, Neil? Uh, I think I'm actually going to try and track her down. Uh, oh. I, I, got, I got a call 
from her, and you know, I've okay. been trying to talk to her, sl- sliding into her DMs. Sweet. And uh, I'm gonna go to Ferndale, Michigan, which is where she is. Uh, gonna go drive there, and I'll see you in a couple hours. Okay, sounds sweet. But can you do me a favor? Can you make it one hour? I just need you back in one hour. In one hour? Yeah. Okay, sounds good. Okay, cool. Thanks, Mike. Okay, but now that Mike has left the show indefinitely, let's bring on Marcello from the GameCube Galaxy, the YouTube channel, to talk about some TMNT games. Marcello, welcome back to the show. Hey, Neil. Great to be back. Thank you for having me join in on this uh, TMNT special episode. Yeah, no, I had to invite you on. Uh, I was doing research for the show this week, and um, your videos were the most recommended to uh, when I searched up TMNT on GameCube, so instantly sent you a message asking if you wanted to come on. So thank you so much for, for joining today. Um, I guess before we dive into the games, though, I need to ask you, what is your history with, uh, with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? So Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is a property I've loved since I was a kid. I watched uh, the early, uh, late 80s, early 90s cartoon and played all the NES, SNES, Genesis games, arcade games. And then in 2003, when they were releasing a new cartoon series, Mm -hmm. my brother and I were really psyched. And it was looking like it was going to capture a lot of the elements of the Mirage original comic series where it's going to be a little bit more serious it has its humor but it's a a little bit of a darker story Um, so the cartoon itself is fantastic and then when they released the games i was all i was all you know i was all over all the games on there so i played all of them thoroughly 100 percent completed every single one um so despite mixed reception on some of those games there are they are near and dear to me right and last year in september i did tmnt month which was every Sunday was a new review for each installment based on the 2003 cartoon series, which was quite an undertaking now that looking back at it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was really excited to be able to do that. And honestly, it turned out to work out well because it ended up being my most, my most viewed reviews on the channel. Yeah, most of those are probably me. I've been watching them over and over again this week. They're very well done, and it's good to hear someone like you who enjoys them because looking at looking back at a lot of the reviews, it seems like it was somewhat negative or at least neutral on these games. So it's great to talk to somebody who is who is positive on them because in 2003, you being a longtime Turtles fan, you had been waiting about, what, 10 years since the last yeah. major console release? That's correct. It was exactly 10 years. Yeah, that that's crazy. And since then, like the early 2000s, have you gone back and played uh, some of all of those earlier games and then the later ones? Because this year has been a great year for Turtles games. Yeah, so uh, this year in particular with the Cowabunga collection, yeah. um, I have both the Switch and the PS4 slash PS5 version. And uh, I've played through all of them. I got the Platinum Trophy on the PS4 and PS5 versions of the game. Wow. Um, so completing all 13 games on that set, <laughs> wow. uh, which has been awesome to revisit. Some of them, yeah, I mean, the fighting ones were never that great, uh, but it was awesome revisiting some of those and actually finally beating the first TMNT on the NES. That never happened before, so I was glad to be able to finally say I beat that one. And did you go back and play Shredder's Revenge this year too? As a huge TMNT fan, I still have not played Shredder's Revenge, but that's because I am still impatiently at this point waiting for my physical release from limited run games Uh, who i feel have severely dropped the ball in this release because i've been waiting eagerly for that game and i want to play it when it's physically in my hand i thought that came out on physical. maybe uh, we're in toronto i could have sworn that i saw like a gamestop email that said like oh it's in stores now did that not did that end up getting dropped i i've been out of the loop for the tmnt games 
So it's been available almost worldwide physically, except for here in the U.S. because oh. Limited Run Games kind of has it in a bind mm. uh, in their contract. They stated it was supposed to release, be shipping out by the end of July, back when this was first announced. Then it got delayed a couple weeks every time. Now, currently, we're at October 11th is the release date. Oof. Yet, a couple weeks ago, I think the person who runs it, uh, Josh Fairhurst, had tweeted saying like, oh, well, if people are still waiting to play it because of the physical version, it's shipping out in a few days. Uh, that was over two weeks ago, and I called him out on that, and he didn't respond. So um, Man, that's too that being said, it, it's been very disappointing. It's actually left a bad taste in my mouth with limited run games at this point. Uh, so I'm at the point where I might just import it. Nice. Because I think it'd be faster for me to just import it. Uh, I just I want to have a physical copy of it, yep. and I actually want to play that with my brother and uh, kind of you know, for old time's sake, play through a TMNT game, a new one, let alone yeah. one that everybody has been like touting as like the best TMNT game. I know. So, like, I mean, it's high praise. Like looking at everything leading up to this game over the last year, like it looks like something completely pulled out of the 90s. Like it was a canceled SNES Genesis game or something. I'm really stoked on it because those are really the only Turtles games that I've played uh, mm-hmm. in my life is the arcade game. I can't remember which one. Mike and I went to a barcade in New York like six years ago and we played one <laughs> of the TMNT arcade games. I think it was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, the arcade game. And then I've played a little bit of Turtles in Time. I didn't beat it. A friend of mine lent it to me in high school on uh, SNES, and uh, that's a terrific game. So the Shredder's Revenge and the Cowabunga Collection this year look straight up my alley. So I'm really excited to pick those games up eventually. And hats off to you for getting the Platinum in uh, in the Cowabunga Collection. That sounds like a difficult one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, honestly, it's actually not that bad. Every game was just, oh, just beat it, basically, and okay. get a trophy. That's not bad. Um, the only one that was a caveat was the tournament fighters on the SNES required mm. you to defeat Karai in story mode, but you don't know how to face Karai in story mode unless you know which turtle to play as. Okay. So I've had to replay that game like four times till I finally figured out like where I was going wrong. Mm. And unfortunately, that was just a painful game to play because, again, the fighters are not that good. <laughs> no, we're going to be talking about a fighter later on today, but uh, I guess we'll jump right in now to the, the GameCube games, the game, the uh, mm-hmm. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles GameCube games. We have five to talk about today, so uh, I guess we'll dive right into the first game of the day, which is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, released on October 21st, 2003, developed and published by Konami. It's also on PS2, Xbox, Windows, and Game Boy Advance. Rates a 6 out of 10, priced today at around $30. It's a beat up action adventure the turtles first go at uh, at 3d uh so uh what, what are your memories of this game you said you picked it up back in the day what were your uh impressions of it right away so i remember playing this game before i even picked it up i was at a friend's house because he got it on launch day for the gamecube and i went over and we played it and i was just amazed seeing turtles in 3d mm-hmm. and like it's been a 10-year hiatus just seeing a cartoon series, especially that new cartoon series in that year, 2003, right. have a game. And it was actually really good from what I played at the time. Was just, It was just a, a love letter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was very shortly after that my brother and I, we went 50-50 and we bought it. But we got it for the PlayStation 2 mm-hmm. and we played through it completely. We beat the game with all four turtles, did everything in the game, the challenge mode, you name it, we did it. Uh, I played that game... I think for months <laughs> and like in between other games, of course, but right. I kept revisiting it. Interesting. What was the replayability for you though? Cause it's a really short campaign. Like you can pretty much beat it in a weekend. So you were going back trying to get like the high scores and everything, or just you wanted to play the story again and again. 
honestly, it was a combination of just the gameplay was satisfying enough to me where I felt it transitioned from the 2D beat-em-up gameplay mm-hmm. very well to 3D space. And a lot of games yeah. at that time still weren't hitting that stride of transitioning properly from 2D to 3D. There was something about the first Turtles game where, yeah, they were on the right track very early on. Mm-hmm. But a part of the reason I kept coming back to it, believe it or not, was actually the soundtrack. Nice. Okay. Yeah, it's well done. It's it. it is it the same composers as the the cartoon? Because it sounds similar. So in the fir- the it's not the same composers as the cartoon. It's not until the third game where actually music from the cartoon is utilized in the game itself. Okay. Yeah, it's really good crossover. Like you, you it really feels like the cartoon makers and the the video game developers were working together. Uh, Konami even had their own little two D animation art style as well. So it kind of spliced mm-hmm. together the cartoon. And this video game as well. It did it all really well done. I was a huge fan of the the cel-shaded graphics in this game. Mike and I always talk about how well uh, these graphics have aged. And watching gameplay for uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like it looks like it, it could have been made today. Like it, it looks really good. Frame rate, I think it's at a solid 60. I was surprised mm-hmm. at how locked that frame rate was because there's a lot of characters on screen at times. Yeah, and that was the thing. This game... When it was first announced and they showed it in magazines, when you saw the screenshots, you're like, okay, awesome. It's got this really cool cel-shaded visual art style that looks like a Saturday morning cartoon. Like it looks like it really for that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that was the generation, that was the console generation where a lot of games were experimented with experimenting with cell shading. Yep. Um, you know, we all saw that with Wind Waker and prior to that, cell damage. Mm-hmm. So visually the game has definitely held up very well more so now than i think back then back then some people were like yeah it looks good or some people like yeah it's kind of generic game game. yeah and personally when i revisited them again last year uh that particular first game i'm like this game still pops and Mm -hmm. it just looks very sharp but the frame rate being locked at 60 frames despite a few frame drops here and there sure um that happened, particularly the GameCube version, for some reason, those two areas I spotted that actually loaded mid-level for me that never happened on the PlayStation 2 version, which is strange. Mm. Um, but despite that, yeah, the game ran like very well, and it looked really sharp. Yeah, it did. I was I was very impressed. The only thing for me that I think they probably could have either cut out or switched out with something else, I don't know, were those cutscenes where they tried to use the 3D animated Turtles. Mm-hmm. I think that's the one where they're kind of just standing there basically bobbing up and down while they're talking and their mouths aren't moving at all that kind of took it out uh t- took me out of it a little bit but other than that really i had no problems with any of the uh any of the graphics or anything the lighting all looked really good it totally looks like panels from a comic book which is where the turtles uh got their start uh got their start in and uh yeah it, it's aged perfectly the later games i don't know if i was as much of a fan as the art style <laughs> we can talk about those uh a little bit later what about the actual like ga- minute to minute gameplay of of the uh, of this game did you pick one turtle in particular it sounds like you've beat the game uh, as every turtle (laughs) so yeah i beat the game with every turtle that's the only way you can actually get the true final boss and ending Mm. um but my go-to is always donnie donatello has always been my favorite turtle mostly because he's the most relatable to me i mean he's a he's a techie (laughs) you know and i'm the same way like my career outside of what i do here with gamecube galaxy Mm -hmm. is i do it work so okay. it's just Donnie has always been a character I can relate with because of just the, the love for technology. Nice. Um, but yeah, th- so Donnie's always my first go-to. And then usually I go to Leo as my second, okay. th- then Mikey, then uh, Raph. And nothing against Raph. It's just um, I, he's got the shortest range. Right. 
Um, and, and like every character, they have their own perks and stats that are not shown on screen. Okay. But, but they each have different um, weapons and they have different sets of combos too. I know that yes. you said in your video, Donatello has, your, as you said it, your, that's got your more favorite uh, move set, most versatile at least. So it sounds like he's mm-hmm. the most fun character to play as. Um, I'm a big fan of Casey Jones in terms of like the characters, not a turtle, I realize, but I just like the fact that he's, <laughs> he's just a guy with a hockey mask with like golf clubs and like baseball bats. And that's kind of where he, uh, where he gets his move set from, not in the campaign. He is featured in the game differently, but, uh, I think he's a pretty, pretty cool character. I really like the, uh, the Easter eggs that the game, uh, put in there too. Uh, specifically you mentioned this in your video again, but like the holidays, like the little Easter eggs where if you set your GameCube calendar, or I guess if it happens to be Halloween or Christmas, um, they've, the characters have different costumes, like what is it? A pumpkin headed Halloween yeah. and a, a Santa hat at Christmas, which is really cool. Um, yeah. was there anything else like that in the game? I know that they do that these types of things in different cartoon games that Mike and I have covered, but was there anything else in the game that you noticed? Maybe something pulled from the cartoons or the movies? Um, nothing else in particular, um, as far as Easter eggs went, uh, you know, the, the thing with the console date matching the day you're playing, uh, for Halloween or Christmas was basically the only Easter egg that really stood out. Everything else was pretty much more just fan service to the cartoon and trying to be authentic to episodes that the game was based on. Okay. Um, so, you know, for example, like, uh, stage two, where you have to go through stages where you, it's the whole episode with Nano. Uh, the first stage is in the second time around shop, which is April Store, which would be obviously where the episode takes place. And it, it tries to do a good job of capturing the look and feel. But I think that's any type of license game that tries to capture the environment and surroundings of that scene. Uh, that's not so much an Easter egg, but okay. Otherwise, like I said, it really came down to that Halloween and Christmas Easter egg right. that. You know, it was just it was kind of cool to see. And I always loved seeing developers try to do something like that. You could tell that you could usually tell developers had fun making a game when they can implement Easter eggs like that or elements like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, You could tell that they just enjoyed putting together what they put together. Yeah. Like I I look at the same thing, like early 2000s, the resurgence of Scooby-Doo, kind of the Mm. same timing, actually, where we got what's new Scooby-Doo in the early 2000s. We got the movies. Uh, we got three video games on the GameCube, all of which are pretty good. They had a similar thing where the castle was decorated at Christmas time. It was it had fireworks on the Fourth of July. There, there were a few others. Oh, cool. which, I love stuff like that. So you, you, I, I agree. You can definitely tell when there is care and uh, attention put into details like that. That the developers mm-hmm. were having a good time with it, but. There are a few things in this game that probably could have used a little bit of improvement. I know for me, and I think you agreed with it as well, was the the voice acting in the game. The one-liners <laughs> get to be quite repetitive after a while. I watched a Let's Play with Raph playing, and I think I heard Out of My Way Nimrod like a thousand times. <laughs> <laughs> that, and, and what's funny is like even in my review, mm-hmm. I like highlight that point. Yeah. And, and I show like, look at like, you know, let's listen to Leo say the same line. And it was like, talk to the feet. But he did it. I did it so much with his jump attack where it kept cutting off mid sentence and starting over. Yeah. So it'd be like, talk to the, talk to the, talk to the. <laughs> and it was just absurd. I remember laughing hysterically. And I'm like, I am using that clip in the review. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a toy breaking down, you know, like it, that's what it was. But it's, it's too bad. Like that kind of does break the immersion slightly. But you have to kind of understand these developers, like they had a very short amount of time to make a, Right. A, a good game and it had to be timed well with the cartoons so you kind of have to kind of shrug and keep keep moving on with that um yeah that was kind of the only thing for me where i was like this probably could have been tweaked a bit but you mentioned in the game specifically level four was a weak level what did what did you mean by that mm-hmm. so the, the level 10 goo uh, where you're going through the museum and different 
exhibits in the museum to get to the boss. Uh, it, basically, it just felt the most generic. Mm. Uh, there was not as much creativity behind the levels, I felt like, and the music detracted me that entire stage. So every like level within that stage, it just felt like it was weak. Okay. Um, so like out of all the other chapters in the game, like that's the one where every time I got up to it, I'm like, ugh, all right. <laughs> just because it was the most generic. Like, yeah. And it's a shame. I felt like every other chapter had this level of creativity and just they had its own soul, its own identity. But there was something about stage four that felt lifeless. Yeah. It, it happens. Every, every one of these kind of platforming action games, it, they always have like one level that you kind of wish that you could skip. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you have to you have to get through those ones. Seems like that there's always like it's what, eight levels in the whole game? Eight. So it's it's six stages with two bonus levels. Uh, wait, one, two, either six. two or three bonus levels in between the episodes. I think it's two bonus levels. Okay. Still, if there's only um, one weak level in all of that, like that, that's a pretty good ratio for a, a game oh, like yeah. this. I would say. No question, and that you know, if you can get past that, luckily, and I think this is where it comes down to the replayability and the gameplay is that the combat for me, even though it's repetitive because there's not a whole extensive combo system it's fast and responsive Mm -hmm. the biggest thing here and i'm highlighting this for the future games we're about to talk about soon are is just a responsive combat that was rewarding to play yeah and the the combat i think you said that was least responsive or at least less responsive was teenage mutant ninja turtles 2 battle nexus i guess we can transition Mm -hmm. to that game now released about a year later on october 19th 2004 developed and published yet again by konami also on ps2 xbox and windows rated a 5 out of 10 priced today at around 65 dollars the games get quite a bit more expensive as we go uh it's another beat-em-up platformer a uh, direct sequel to the game that we talked about previously uh, GameSpy awarded this game, this is like a fun fact that I found, they awarded this game Biggest Loser of the Year on GameCube. Do you agree with that sentiment? I don't know if it's that bad. It's not unplayable. And, <laughs> and this is this is where I have a love-hate relationship with Battle Nexus. Okay. So Battle Nexus, yeah, came out not e- just about a year after the first game. Mm-hmm. And same thing, my brother and I, we actually co-opted every game when it came out. Nice. So it was something we looked forward to each year. That's good. So Battle Nexus, we were kind of hyped for... Because one of the selling points was, oh, it was going to have an unlockable arcade version of the Team NT right. game. Um, but we'll get to that part later. Let's talk about the core elements of Battle Nexus. Sure. So before we got it, we saw all the reviews and they were like, I think GameSpot was like a 4.6. Yeah. And like a lot of sites, like it tanked. And I'm, we're looking at the reviews and like, what on earth happened here? Like what, what made it go backwards so much? So then we finally got it. We start playing it, and immediately, when we st- when you get your hands on the controller, you're like, "Wow, okay, the controls are a lot more sluggish." Mm-hmm. But that's also in part due to the frame rate being half to thirty frames a second. But the programming didn't work well enough to to adapt to the thirty frames per second. So instead, it, what you had was this button delay, where it just didn't know. It just had a one second delay. Between anywhere between half a second to one full second delay from when you press the button for any action, whether it was jumping, whether it was attacking. Wow. And they incorporated different combos in this game, but they felt stiff because you didn't know if you could pull it off right due to kind of like how you had to time everything a second behind. Yeah. yeah. It, it was like dial a combo, which is <laughs> a term that's used in like Mortal Kombat, but Mortal Kombat was responsive with it. Right. This it was kind of like like flip a coin and hope for the best. <laughs> and 
it just it is a shame yeah. because the the game did a lot of cool things where it added a lot more variety. Now those platforming and those like different types of levels with those vehicle levels, whether it was like escorting missions, even though those always suck, <laughs> but they still did something different anyway. Um, it's a shame. It had a lot of neat ideas, but the thing that they touched and ruined was the core controls and gameplay. And to this day, it kind of scratched my head because even when I reviewed it last year, mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't hate this game. It's like I I want to like it more than I do, but I can't because of just how the laundry list of issues it has. Yeah. But underneath its issues, there is a solid game that can be enjoyable that just has to be played in short bursts because you could only deal with the unresponsive controls for so long. Yeah, and this was would have been around the time too when the uh, just thinking about like wireless controllers at the time where the GameCube WaveBird was being launched. I think that was around 2004, maybe around this time. If you had one of those, that's even adding even more lag. And it's too bad because I imagine that this frame rate dip and lag was probably caused because they incorporated four-player co-op, which the first game didn't have that, which you'd think a GameCube is made for TMNT with four players. Uh, they didn't get around to that until this game, unfortunately. So... Uh, does it get any worse when you play with four people at a time, or is it about the same? So, so the frame rate does stay locked at 30 frames. Okay. So instead of keeping it unlocked, they were able to keep it stable at 30 frames. But here's the thing, though. The second game, even if you play solo, you only see one turtle at a time. Right. So it's not like there was a reason to tank that frame rate. Now, they upped the textures, so the textures were sharper. There's a little bit more detail in the turtles themselves. Um, you, you can see it's definitely sharper texture work, mm-hmm. but that came at the expense of the higher quality instead of, and it affected the performance. Right. So, uh, you know, that's kind of what happened there. And it wasn't until the third game later on that we'll talk about how they could put all four turtles on screen at 30 frames a second. But the second one is an example of, they gave everybody one of the most requested features, which was, Hey, it's turtles four player co-op. Why didn't this happen in the first game? Right. And the second game, like, okay, it's going to be four player co-op. But it didn't work. So the amount of times I've heard people tell me, oh, well, the first game should have had four-player co-op. I'm like, you know what? I don't think it should have because growing up playing these Turtles games in co-op, not in the arcade, but like on the Nintendo, the Sega Genesis, the Super Nintendo, where it was two players, the game was designed for two players and it worked well and it worked smooth. And you saw in the first game, it ran at 60 frames per second locked. Right. The second game, they tried to go bigger. They tried to be bigger and better, and it just was bigger and just more of a mess. Yeah, they kind of took they took the template for the single player game and just kind of shoved the four turtles into it, to, even to the point where this is the one where you all share a health bar, right? Like that, that's completely <laughs> yes. broken. Like if you're playing with a younger brother, or a little cousin, or a friend that doesn't play games, like that's just gonna frustrate the heck out of you. Um, yeah, stuff like that. Like it's just a complete oversight. It was a time when when uh, developers were trying to figure out how to do four player simultaneous co op because you're right. Like the 80s and 90s, uh, two player beat em up, 2D beat em ups with two players was the best. Like I remember playing on the mm-hmm. SNES, like the Separation Anxiety and Maximum Carnage game with my brother. Yeah, and the Final Fight games were really fun. My sister even played those games. She she, she hates video games, but she loved Final <laughs> Fight Three for whatever reason. Still talks about that game to this day. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, like those. Those types of games were perfect and 2d just lends itself to that but in the 3d space like you've got the camera in this one too which zooms out so far to the point where you can't yes. even tell who's who like it's ants on the screen it, it it's it's so frustrating because they came so close so and what was interesting is that the second game had a different director uh, and actually each game had a different director okay so and i found that interesting 
the the saving grace for me with Battle Nexus was actually, and again, this comes back to something I mentioned in the first game, the soundtrack. And I think this is where I had a love-hate relationship because for the most part, the soundtrack is excellent yep. in this game. And it made me deal with the awful gameplay and, and like the awful controls just because the music was at least keeping me engaged. <laughs> and, and, you know, soundtracks for a game for me are very important. And I feel that's part of the immersion. If you yeah. if you can't get that, I'm out, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And luckily, that's kind of what kept it a little bit more together for me. And the game itself is big. It's a pretty lengthy game. And yes, on the GameCube, it is two discs. But that was also because of all the FMVs they had in right. there. <laughs> um, but the other thing that the second game does the best, I will say this. There is one thing that Battle of Nexus does the best out of the core trilogy that they've released is actually the storyline. It, it, it timed itself with season two of the TV show, right? Is it not? It, it did. It, it, but it did, but it kept everything cohesive. Okay. So in the first game, you knew it was like, okay, it was episodes that you played. Mm-hmm. Um, later, we'll talk about the third game of how that story was told. But like in the second game, it felt like one massive... It made it feel like a full season you were playing. But cool. they also introduced Slasher, who was a brand new character that Konami had full reigns to, to create. Yes. And he fit perfectly into the TMNT universe. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love that idea. Like, Mike and I, we both really like... Um... Lord of the Rings, The Third Age, which is like a Lord of the Rings game, obviously, where uh, Electronic Arts, they had made a bunch of Lord of the Rings game based on movies. And then they got to kind of have free reign to make their own characters, like their own storyline and stuff. I love when IP are given to developers, in this case Konami, and then they run with it and make new characters. Because there are a lot of characters in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles outside of the Four Turtles and Shredder and Master Splinter. Um, I'm so glad that they got to make this new villain. Um, Have they ever gone back to that character, by the way? I haven't played many other Turtles games, so I'm not sure. Unfortunately, they never did. Um, And I don't know what happened in terms of licensing, so I don't know if it's just like... Konami has the strict license of that character from the game. But it's a shame. Like I said, he he fit perfectly. His design was really cool. He had a cool voice. Um, it's just something about him. I was like, yeah, this is actually a cool villain that they created. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was playable, too. And that was the other thing is that you could unlock four additional characters to play as. And Slasher was one of them, as well as Casey Jones and Splinter. And there is one more I am missing right now. Uh, it's not Usagi Jimbo. April O'Neil. <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> no, it wasn't until Shredder's... Oh, no, well, technically Tournament Fighters is the first time you can ever play as her okay. on the Genesis. But it was not until Shredder's Revenge later on that you could ever play as April O'Neil again. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, but yeah, all that being said, so Battle Nexus, like, it had a lot of ideas that I wish just kind of stuck the landing. And it would have had it just had better controls with tighter gameplay and, and a faster frame rate on top of that. But then there was the the nail in the coffin for me, which was the classic TMNT arcade unlockable. Yeah, this was a big deal. The unlockable port of the 1989 arcade game that was uh, put into the game. It's on the box that you can do, that you can unlock it. Same thing happens in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. So uh, Hmm. this is a big deal because, you know, 14 years later, an arcade game on a GameCube game, like this is something that a lot of other games did, like Animal Crossing specifically, put a Nintendo NES games on, on there as well. So this was a cool thing to do. Uh, some people, specifically Mike and I, we're not from the arcade era at all, unless you go to like a <laughs> like a throwback kind of barcade like I talked about earlier. So this would have been our first uh, experience playing this game at home. But what was the major issue with the port for you? Uh, right away, the music was completely stripped. Yep. So the original soundtrack that is iconic in that game and the voiceovers even – Uh, were completely gone and this was back then from what i understand it was due to licensing with the original composers i 
I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, I think there was something else behind the scenes that we couldn't hear about. <laughs> no pun intended. But right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I remember when we we unlocked it, my brother and I were like, yeah, this is awesome. We're going to play this now. We fire it up. And right from the first level, like I know the song going into the first level yeah. of that game. And immediately they took like the worst song in Battle Nexus <laughs> and just placed it over that. Oh, God. And I'm like, we're like, we looked at each other like, what the hell is That's this? That's too bad. I... But the worst... The worst part, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but that song went through the rest of the game. It was that one song. Really? Every level. So, like, first level, it's this awful song. Second level, it's that same awful song. Third, I'm like, oh, my, oh god. my god. That's um, brutally frustrating. How long is that game to beat? I haven't, I never beat it before. Is it? Is it a long experience? I can't imagine it is because. No, it's, it's about 35, 35 to 45 minutes, oh, depending. Okay. That's not too bad, but still to hear one song for 45 minutes, like nobody wants to, to hear that at all. That That's such a shame. I don't really know how video game licensing soundtracks works. Like it's, you would think that, because Konami, I believe, developed that arcade game, no? Or at least they did. They, so they developed and published this one as well. But like you said, it's got to have something to do with whoever composed it, I suppose. It, it's, it's really too bad uh, because the same thing is going to happen on in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, um, it's just too bad that they got so close to having this pure port of an arcade game because I didn't mention in the first game, uh, they have like a whole museum of old artifacts of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is really cool. Like you can watch, like you can look at old comic book panels, old magazine ads, um, like different things like that. Like there's art, uh, concept art and everything that you can flip through, which is really neat. No arcade ports, but you would think with that level of detail, okay, they're going to nail this, but then it comes out and it's that. Now, maybe if it's somebody like Mike and I playing the arcade game for the first time in 2003, we probably wouldn't have noticed. But for somebody like you, who's a, a diehard Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan, it must have been a bit of a blow. It was. It was kind of just like, you know, they advertised it on the box. Yeah. And it's like, part of it they were definitely capitalizing on that marketing for like hey nostalgia we have the unlockable you know we have the unlockable arcade game yep. but anybody who played that game originally even if in a loud arcade you knew that was not the music mm-hmm. um so moving on i mean like i said battle nexus overall it's not a game that i hate because i still have played it numerous times right <laughs> It could have been better, I guess is what you're saying. It, it could have been so much better. Honestly, I think had that been remastered now onto like the Switch, mm-hmm. if you throw 60 frames a second locked, I think that alone would make the controls more responsive and actually make the game a little bit more playable where it's not as bad. But the PC version apparently ran at 60 frames. I just never played that version. Oh. So it could be a different scenario there, just a little bit. Maybe, but uh, they did have another shot at making the perfect Ninja Turtles game. So we'll move on now to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Mutant Nightmare was released on November 1st, 2005, developed and published again by Konami. It's also on PS2 and Xbox. They dropped the PC version at this point for some reason. Uh, it rates a 6 out of 10. Price today going up again in price to $80. And it's another action 3D beat-em-up. And uh, I felt like this one returned a little bit more to the art style of the first game. They sort of did away with not realistic graphics, but more of that 2000s computer-rendered art style, more to the cel-shaded graphics that we we uh, we know and love today. Uh, but what were your impressions of, uh, I guess, the lead-up and finally picking up this game? So, uh, again, going into the third game, I had high hopes where I'm like, okay, like it, it's got to be better than the second game. Like They have to improve something here. And they did. The, the combat is what they finally fixed, and that was the biggest thing. The problem I had with the third game hmm. was that 
it had these like so you you can run around the levels kind of freely and you can go to segments that load in between mission in between areas of that mission but something about the progression just felt slow um the pacing was slower um and that's saying a lot that the second because the second one was kind of slow too at times uh, but it it had the idea of okay all four turtles are on screen great the key like even the cpu is actually competent you know doing what it needs to do when you're not playing as them but the levels themselves just kind of felt like less memorable overall so it's like i'm playing a level and it's like okay i'm running around the city great and then the next mission's like oh okay i'm still running around the city it looks exactly the same there's just something about it, it was just like less memorable overall but it was a more f- I don't want to say it was a more enjoyable game. It was a because, different game for sure. Do you think that yes. maybe at this point the maybe you had maybe been fatigued by this three-time annualized game coming out? Because at this point, like you're looking at it, and they all look, the games look very similar. I know that there's you know different stories and there's different combat moves and everything that they do change up slightly. But do you think at this point maybe it was a little bit of TMNT fatigue that could have been setting in? Honestly, you know, back then I thought that. And when I was reviewing it last year, I was actually excited for Mutant Nightmare. I'm like, you know what? Maybe this wasn't as unmemorable or generic as I remembered it. Maybe, maybe it was a fatigue thing. And then when I played it again, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm still having a decent time, but it's really not that memorable still. Like it's at the end of the day, it was kind of just a very generic uh, attempt, and it just it felt like it lacked the soul and heart that the first game has. Mm. And and that was my biggest thing is that the first game had this excellent foundation to start with and then the second one was kind of just like a huge step backwards in the way that like devil may cry 2 was the devil may cry 1 right and then going to 3 i'm like okay they they've improved the combat it's more responsive we still have the 30 frames a second instead of 60 frames all right whatever but the controls are more responsive so i'll take Mm. it um you know, I like the idea of having all four turtles on screen and sure. switching between them. I liked the upgrade system and the scroll system. I'm like, okay, that's different. I like this. This actually gives me a little bit more progression. It it, it makes it where I want to keep upgrading the turtles. Yeah, I, I like the scroll system in this game, actually. Like, you, you collect crystals throughout the game, basically, by defeating enemies, and you, you find them in the levels, and then you can purchase new skills and scrolls, which is kind of cool. It almost adds, like... I don't want to call it an RPG, but it is kind of like a leveling up system where you mm-hmm. build up the turtles to become kind of like their their ultimate version. Uh, I, yeah. I didn't really know anything about this. I was mainly like, I've only seen the Ninja Turtles movies from the 80s, like the 1989 Ninja Turtles movie. That's all I know about them. So I didn't know about these like extra moves that they could do, like uh, Leo throwing his projectile blades, uh, Mikey throwing tornadoes, Donatello doing his 360 spin attack with like a purple chain around him. It got to be kind of marvely to me. Like I felt like it, it felt like watching a Marvel game at times, like X Men. Basically, it's cool, okay. but uh, I don't know. It's just like at this time too, like X Men was huge. I really enjoyed the Fantastic Four game on GameCube, which is kind of like Ninja Turtles. You've got four players on screen and everything, so I'm glad that they added that in. At least like it kind of gives you a reason to want to do well in the level and to beat every enemy and dr- pick up whatever they drop and everything. It just entices you to do more than just fight enemy, move on, fight enemy, move on. You've got that extra right. layer in there too. Um, a combat function that I'm surprised that they didn't have in the earlier games, maybe they did, I just didn't notice it, but was the uh, ability to lock on to enemies, which seems like something that should have been there. Yes. But you'd think like with Ocarina of Time, basically making that normal in an action game, that would have been the first thing they would have added to TMNT1. Uh, did that improve the game for you at all? 
honestly, I felt the lock-on didn't do anything for me really? in the third game. And I, th- I think it's because it kind of lacked a weight and feel to it, if that makes sense. Like, you, you mentioned Ocarina of Time. Ocarina of Time, with the Z-targeting, you knew when you push it, when you press the button, like, you kind of feel like, okay, I've locked on. The camera is a little bit more dynamic. There's something snappy about it. With this, it's kind of just like, oh, there's a cursor over the character. Oh, okay. And, and like, I don't have to move the control stick. I can just hit the attack button at that point, and the turtle will, like, kind of lock on in that direction to attack. And it plays the game for you, basically? Like, there's not really much to do after that? Yeah, kind of. Mm. Um, The only time the lock-on came into place was if you tried to do a special team ability. Okay. Where you could uh, summon the turtles to all do a button prompt to do like a special ability where it could be kind of like almost like a meteor strike. Okay. Uh, where they like go up in the sky and they strike down and pummel the enemy down in one shot. Hmm. But you have to lock on. But what's interesting is not only do you have to lock on, but you have to also hold the block button, which the game, I don't think the game tells you this <laughs> because it shows you like, all oh, like, oh, up, down, right on the D-pad basically right. or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, you do that, and it's like, nothing happened. But I figured out, by the end of the game, I held block instead, and I did it. And I'm like, wow, it's like doing an old-school fatality in Mortal Kombat right. that required the up button. I have to block first and then do it. Um, it, it was very Mortal Kombat-y, like watching the um, the prompts to go up, down, left, right, right, like that classic code. Like, that's a very Konami thing to do. So it's too bad that they didn't explain that to you, though, because... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like, one of the the key factors is, like, it's a teamwork thing. Like, they're always talking about fighting together and as a team and as a family. So they didn't really add that element really until the movie game, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes. But it would have been cool to have seen the Turtles kind of fight together, not just at the same time. Like, to use each other's skills and everything, bouncing off each other to kill enemies or knock out enemies, I suppose. Um, yeah. Right. And, and that's on point. Like, it's, there's a difference between all the characters are on screen fighting and they're actually on screen fighting right. together as a family. Cause like you said, that is what TMNT is based on is there are these four turtles that are brothers, they're family. And that's part of what makes their, their characters and their story so engaging right. to the viewers and to, to the fans is that they, that you seeing that teamwork mm-hmm. and that family bond. Um, and like I said, we'll get to that later with right. the, the movie based game. Um, so, but then, yeah, go, we can, uh, going on, I guess, to the next part of this game. Yeah, going on to, the, I guess, the another one of the selling features of the game on the box, and I'm sure you noticed it too right away, was the, the unlockable Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles port of TMNT Turtles in Time. It's an arcade port, um, but yet again, the soundtrack was missing from the original game, uh, but it was replaced <laughs> by the DS version of, of the game. Now, is that... Is that an okay substitution in this situation? Yes. And so in my review, I highlighted that too. So while I remember I was excited about it, fired it up. I remember kind of going into it. I'm like, they probably screwed up the soundtrack again. And sure enough, going into it, I'm like, like, what the heck? Like, why is it so complicated to keep the original soundtrack? But at that time, I was actually more okay with this version because like, like mentioned, the soundtrack from the DS version was in place here. And the DS version, which is easily my favorite version of this game, has a really, really great soundtrack. So it actually fit this game. And I'm like, okay, this one at least, if if, if there's nobody that's played this arcade game before, like this soundtrack works. Like the boss music is really good. Um, you know, a lot of the music that they use for the stages are some of the better tracks from the game. So I'm like, okay, it's almost like a half a half step. It's like, they screwed up by not putting the original soundtrack, but they made up for it by not using like the worst songs from this <laughs> version of the game. True. 
um, the the actual gripe I have with Turtles in Time in this version, and I think I mentioned this in the review, was not even so much the soundtrack because I can get past that point for, for, for once, but it was that the game's frame rate was halved from the arcade original. Oh wow! So now the gameplay just didn't feel natural. It actually felt kind of janky. Yeah, really bad and flicker. I, I can't imagine that. That that's rough. And that was the point where I was just like, like you know what? Just don't even bother anymore, Konami. Like until you get <laughs> until the Cowabunga collection, like this isn't getting rectified anytime Damn, soon. Damn, it took eighteen years to get it right. <laughs> Jeez, that, that's too bad. I didn't really know much about the Turtles in Time arcade version. Is that very different than the Super Nintendo version? Are they completely different games, or is the SNES version also a port of the arcade? So the SNES version is a port of the arcade. However, it's an enhanced port. Okay. Uh, it actually had additional. Um, it had an additional stage as well as the Mode Seven level. So on the arcade version, the part where you're on a hoverboard as actually just a 2D side-scrolling level in the arcade. Whereas on the SNES, it's full-blown mode 7, like an F-Zero track that you're on. Okay. Uh, fighting, which is pretty cool. Hmm. Um, that That's mainly one of the key standout features. And then there's a boss fight. Actually, I'm sorry. There's a boss battle that's exclusive to the SNES, which is when you're facing Shredder in the halfway point of the game. And you have to actually throw the foot clan soldiers at the screen um to again utilize that mode seven but it was clever right. it was like konami going oh how, how can we utilize mode seven as a mechanic and that was clever to me i'm like this is awesome you're utilizing the hardware as an actual gameplay mechanic right that's cool that's really neat is that is the snes version in the cowabunga collection i'm just checking it out now i know the arcade it version is. it is okay so they've got both arcade mm-hmm. and the snes that's good um, I like that. I remember when I first started getting into Super Nintendo collecting a couple years ago, like I just picked up the main games I needed, like Donkey Kong, Star Fox, whatever. I remember seeing Thanks. Turtles in Time because one of my friends had it and it was like a hundred bucks. Like I couldn't believe how expensive that game was <laughs> even like 10 years ago. Um, it's crazy, but uh, none of these games are quite that expensive yet. There were a few other modes in this game though that I just want to quickly touch on. Free Battle and Challenge Mode. Were those worth playing at all or not really? So Free Battle was basically just throw your character into a level and just run around the area and just dish out practice mode basically yeah yeah beat the crap out of all the enemies and you can get crystals and it was kind of a way to grind if you wanted to Mm -hmm. um and then there's the challenge mode but yeah it was nothing really to write home about at the end of the day it was just kind of like yeah it's there but i think at the end i just ended up playing the core campaign if i wanted to progress in any ways right yeah, just like an extra thing to kind of pad the uh, pad the back of the case, I suppose, in there. Pretty much. Yeah, but uh, we did get a fourth Ninja Turtle game, sort of based on the cartoon, I suppose. This is a bit more of a spinoff, I suppose. I don't know how long we're going to talk about this one for, but TMNT Mutant Melee was released on March 16th, 2005. So we got two Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles games that year. Developed by Konami Hawaii this time, published by Konami, also on PS2, Xbox, and Windows. Rates a 4 out of 10, priced today at close to $90. It's a fighter brawler, four-player fighting arena game, and it's like a spin-off of the last three games. So did you did you anticipate and buy this game at launch as well, or was this kind of at this point you'd given up? <laughs> so this actually came out It came out before about, TMNT before, 3. It was about eight months prior yes. to TMNT 3. Mm-hmm. This came out five months after Battle Nexus. And I remember it came out at $20. It was a budget release. <sighs> And I'm like, okay, but it's TMNT for 20 bucks. I'm like, I'm still going to get it. And I saw the reviews. Pro- no, I'm sorry. I don't think I saw any reviews getting this game because nobody had reviewed it yet. That's a, so I was that's like, a bad sign. Oh, yeah, it was a bad sign. But I remember I bought this and I bought Devil May Cry 3 on the PS2 at the same day. Okay. So 
Turtles uh, TMNT Mutant Melee. I fire it up. I'm like, this has got to be a somewhat decent game. I mean, like, it, it looks like Power Stone with TMNT. Like, how do you screw that up? Mm-hmm. And sure enough, they screwed that up. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like they said, oh, here, hold my beer. I'll show you how we can screw up Power Stone. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of those on the GameCube. Mike and I found, we talked about one a few weeks ago. I can't even remember what it was now, but it's like, man, these four-player arena fighters, they are very hit and miss on the GameCube. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a game that, I was just severely disappointed right in the beginning. And, and I, I think I forced myself to want to like it. And no matter how much I wanted to tell myself that it wasn't that bad, it, it is that bad. And then even reviewing it last year, I'm like, again, maybe maybe there's something here that didn't click with me mm-hmm. back then that might click with me now. And I'm just playing it. And I remember just cursing at the TV due to the, the difficulty spikes and just shaking my head a lot of the time. And then just going like, wow, I, I knew this was a bad game, but this is a really, really bad game that has aged very poorly yeah um furthermore and i think i was gracious with the score i gave it honestly but what was your score think, of the game again i believe it was a 4.5 out of 10 oh okay so slightly high i mean you're right in there in the average i suppose but it's not meant to be like an actual story game like the other games we've talked about this is an adventure game but it's basically like you're going from stage to stage fighting in an isometric view in some of the stages are actually pretty well done. Like you've got the alleyways and like and and whatnot. Like those ones are pretty good. There's some detail there, but then you've got some that are just like you're fighting on top of a cube, and there's no detail around you at all. Um, it's too bad. Like sometimes you've got like a really good level. Sometimes you've got a really bad level, and you've got different ways to play the games. Like there's um. Uh, the one that I found, like the mode that I found that was pretty cool was Keep Away. I don't remember what the actual name of yes. it was. I know there's King of the Hill and everything as well, but I saw the mode Keep Away and I thought this this mode alone would be a pretty fun indie game or something where you're just trying to hold on to something the longest. Like I think that that mode alone is worth maybe not 20 bucks, but like I, I would <laughs> I would play a game with my friends for a round or two at a party where it's like, okay, we're just going to kind of play this weird fighting game where you just have to hold on to this box for as long as possible where everyone is trying to punch you in the face. Uh, that that looked kind of fun, but I can see why being a huge Turtles fan, this would have been a huge letdown. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, this is another one of those games that as as much as I was disappointed with it, I still beat it mm. with the characters. Okay. Um, so I did stick with it and despite its difficulty spikes where I'm like, yeah, this is just absurd. <laughs> um, again, it was turtles. So at the end of the day, I still played it cause I was a fan of the, of the property, but yeah, it's not a game that any of my friends that played it with me, they played like one or two rounds and they're like, yeah, this sucks. Yeah. I'm like, yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have to be a huge fan of something. And like when you're a kid, you can kind of get through that. Like, oh, it's fine. It's, it's something I like. Therefore I have to play this. But as an adult, uh, you don't have the time. You don't necessarily have like the funds or the means to do it. So like you have, you are a little bit more selective with the things that you uh, engross yourself in. But as a kid, like if this was a franchise that I was more fond of, like SpongeBob or Spider Man or Scooby Doo or whatever, I would have probably bought it too. So I can totally see uh, where where your your head was at and why you don't like it quite as much now. Uh, I do appreciate a few little nice touches that they threw into this game. Still, like they added back that little museum thing that every TMNT game seemed to like to do back in the day. So that's really cool. I love like seeing pictures of old toys and and ads and everything. I think that that's super cool. And uh, more more franchises should try it. I also like the little outtakes that they threw in there, like the cutscenes, like little charming th- things like that is kind of cool. Like I think of like the end of Toy Story Two where they did that too. Like you guys <laughs> developed bloopers for an animated film. Like you didn't have to do this, but um, stuff like that is is kind of neat. But 
Yeah, unfortunately, it's a bit of a miss. Uh, TMNT Mutant Melee, really pricey though, like $90 to $100 is crazy expensive for a, a not a good game. I can only imagine it's because it's fairly rare, um, but I'm glad you got it for a good deal at 20 bucks back in the day. Um, but moving on to our last game of the day here is uh, a movie-based game, straight up called TMNT, based on the 2007 film of the same name, released on March 20th, 2007, developed by Ubisoft Montreal and published by Ubisoft. We've gotten away from Konami. It's also mm-hmm. on everything, PS2, Xbox 360, <laughs> Windows, Wii, DS, PSP, and Game Boy Advance. Rates a 6 out of 10, priced today at around $20, and this is a movie tie-in. Haven't actually asked you yet. What are your opinions on the TMNT movies? Have you seen all of them? Because there's a few. I've seen all of them. Okay. So I love the first two live action rights. Uh, the third one where they go to feudal Japan, eh, not so much. It's just, it's, I'll watch it. It's just for nostalgia's sake, but it's definitely the weakest in that trilogy. Okay. Um, this movie, I went midnight launch to go see. Okay. Um, I actually met the director at New York Comic Con uh, a month before the movie came oh, out cool. and the game came out. So I got to meet him and talk to him. I'm actually looking right now. I have a poster signed by him. Wow! Uh, I'll have to send you a picture of that later on the on Instagram or something. Yeah, please. That's amazing. <laughs> was he was he stoked on the movie or like could he not really say too much? Could you tell he had like I don't know how well this I'd never seen the 2007 movie, but what was his vibe at the time? You could tell that he was excited to be behind the project, like that he had this opportunity to take something and and continue the story. And that's what I liked about this movie was that it actually took place after the events of TMNT 3, the live-action movie back in the early 90s. Oh, cool. Um, but it was... The, the, I remember the animation at the time was unlike anything we had seen in a film. It was a whole different level of CG animation from Imagi Studios. And just... They had an awesome voice cast. I mean, you had uh, James Arnold Taylor, who does uh, the voice for Ratchet in the Ratchet & Clank games, do Leo's voice. Yeah, Chris Evans was in this movie too, wasn't he? Chris Evans was Casey Jones. Uh, Sarah Michelle Geller was April O'Neil. Yeah. Nolan North was Raph. Right. Um, really good and cast. Then I forgot. It was a it was a great cast. Everybody did a fantastic job uh, as as you know representing the characters they were representing. And I personally love this movie. This is a movie I could sit down, I could watch. And despite the final act kind of being rushed and feeling like kind of just thrown out there just for time's sake. Mm. Um, the movie itself does a fantastic job of honing the idea about these turtles being family. Right. And it's just a very deep story about that. Um, and there's also a certain scene in the middle of the movie or a little bit past the halfway point of the movie that is to this day, like just fantastic and holds up. Well, I won't say what it is for those who haven't seen it. You'll just know if you watch it, that this scene was clearly like, where the team behind this movie went all out. Yeah, I've never seen this movie. I, I don't, at least I don't think I have. I Maybe I did. I really, this was like my, I was, I don't know how old you are. I was like year one of high school at this point. So I think I was beyond like animated films. I thought it was like too cool for it or whatever. Um, <laughs> but I completely forgot about this movie until I was like, oh yeah, there's a GameCube game based on it too. So I had no idea that the cast, like, I think what Lawrence Fishburne is in it too, and Patrick Stewart. Like, it, it's got a really good cast. So, yes. And you speak so highly of it. Rotten Tomatoes, not so much, but I mean, that's pretty much any movie based on a, an old franchise. Like, never seems to do well, unfortunately. So, mm-hmm. I'll have to go check it out. But, did, did, is this another one of those GameCube games where you were anticipating it with your brother and you picked it up at launch and everything? Or was this like a, a later investment? Okay, so TMNT, I actually did not play it on the GameCube until I did the review for it back in March to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the movie and in-game release. Oh, okay. Um, I played it originally on the Wii. So 
this is the time when now I moved on to the Wii. <laughs> True. I bought I bought it day one. I remember leaving my class. I remember finishing up class at college. So it was my f- second semester of college. Okay. I left after my class ended. I went to GameStop. I picked up my copy. And I was excited because I had been playing this. I played a bit of this at the convention at near Comic-Con before I met the director. But I played it on the 360. That was the build that they had. And I, I don't have a 360. I never had a 360. Oh, I, I refer, let me retract that. I had a 360 for maybe two months, years into its life cycle, and I got rid of yep, it. Yep, same. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but that being said, when I played it on there, I'm like, this is really cool. I'm like, this is literally Prince, like Prince of Persia with turtles. Yeah. I'm like, that's awesome. I know. Then I got it on the Wii because I'm like, oh, this is going to be great on the Wii. It even has exclusive mini games. This is going to be awesome. And I think I got Carpal Tunnel playing that game <laughs> on the Wii with the amount of like yeah, wrist wagging I had to do to attack. And I remember I'm like, God, this is exhausting. Like, <laughs> this isn't even a good workout. I'm like, this just hurts. Yeah, I know. Because like, <laughs> they have the minigame too where like, you have to throw, was it Ninja Stars or something? Or the yes. Shurukens or whatever it is. Like you're throwing yep. like nonstop with your left hand. Like, yeah, I can see that getting <laughs> irritating. Was there no re- Was there no ability to switch and play it with a pro controller or a GameCube controller? No. And that's oh, what I was surprised about was that that could not have been that difficult to implement no. on the Wii version, especially since they had built the game on the GameCube as well. Right. I, I couldn't imagine that they couldn't just be like, oh, yeah, plug in a controller and just put a standard controller at that point. Um, so I remember leaving that game with kind of a bad taste in my mouth where I was like, yeah, like I like the idea of it, but the controls are just so awful on the Wii that it ruined my experience. And it wasn't until finally all these years later, revisiting it on the GameCube for that review and I'm playing it, and I'm like, yeah, okay, the combat's simplistic, sure. Like, that always was simplistic. Yep. But the platforming clearly was where it was at. And that, with its storytelling and the whole family dynamic captured in the game, and even if the combat was simplistic, it incorporated the turtles fighting together, right. but working together as special abilities. And even platforming, you can, like, double jump and then summon one of the turtles to kind of leap you across farther midair. Yeah. Um, and this is where the game excelled and really was a game that revisiting it back in March. I'm like, yeah, I'm really enjoying my playthrough of this so much more with a traditional controller. Well, yeah, you, you nailed the comparison there to uh, Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, like just seeing any of the turtles jump and then wall run and then ledge vaulting. It's like, yeah, this is the, this is the parkour from Prince of Persia that would eventually become uh, Assassin's Creed. And yeah, like the mix of that, it's mostly platforming. And then you've got the combat as well. I love that the turtles are finally interacting with each other. Like you've got, they've got the kind of like the summoning ability where like Leo summons Mikey, he flips him around in the air to do some kind of a shockwave. Uh, Mikey summons Donnie, grabs him and throws him around like a helicopter, basically. Uh, Donnie <laughs> summons Raph to uh, jump and slam down his bow staff to unleash like a lightning pa- uh, lightning effect on enemies. So Raphael's yes. like a Sith Lord in this game. And then <laughs> Raph summons like Leo to throw him at enemies like a bowling ball like it's all really cool uh just really cool mechanics that i wish that they had added to those older games but they finally got it with this one and it it just ties in perfectly with that platforming exploration uh, that ubisoft did so well in in this generation yeah and this was at a time and i think i've made this joke on anything Ubisoft related on the channel. It was like, oh yeah, back when Ubisoft was still a good company. Yeah, I you know. know. Um, where not everything was an open world collectathon that doesn't need to be. Yeah. And this is why I appreciated Ubisoft in that generation is that they actually wanted to take risks. Mm-hmm. But very rarely did they take a property that they've established and then built off of that formula. And this was that game where it's like, well, Prince of Persia has clearly succeeded. Mm-hmm. And 
using that formula with turtles made sense because they're agile. They're they they actually platform through the city. Yeah. Like that made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, what astounded me more than anything was the fact that it was the only TMNT game at this point that ever nailed the family concept of the turtles. And then they took out multiplayer. They did take out multiplayer. <laughs> and, I, and I know, and I thought about that too later on as I was actually replaying it on the GameCube. I'm like, wow, you know what? Thinking about it now. Yeah, there was no yeah. multiplayer, but like, so I weird. didn't think about that with the Wii because I was already in pain playing the Wii version. I'm like, I would not want to endure any of my friends to play you this. You don't one want to put anybody through that. Did you eventually go back and pick up the GameCube version too? Or are you? I did. Yeah. Okay. And is I, that a better experience then? Yes. So if you're gonna and if you're gonna play any version, um, I mean, apparently the 360 version is the way to go, just because it'll be in 720p. Sure. It'll be just higher nicer frame looking. Rate. Uh, um, yeah, it'll be sharper, not higher frame rate, just sharper yeah. looking. But um, on the GameCube, it's totally competent. Actually, going back and forth between the GameCube and the Wii, when I was capturing footage for both, actually in that review, the GameCube version for me actually looked better than the Wii. Interesting. Actually, well, no, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say it that way. The, the, the Wii had different textures so like for example i noticed like the water in the first level looked more like water in the wheat whereas in the gamecube it had like more of like this white flow like this white rapid river okay. that was not blue it's just like a minor thing like that mm-hmm. but there's something about the resolution so like the gamecube version is letterboxed whereas the wii version i don't think is okay so yeah everything so, has like a crisper edge to it than on the gamecube yeah. where other than the wii which everything had like a bit of a, a mist to it kind of yeah like almost like a slight muddiness to it right and that was with component cables on both ends Hmm. interesting yeah that that was a lot of people's issues with like the wii the cross-generation games like it seemed like almost every time the gamecube version was superior like like i think of twilight princess in that situation where i've i've played the wii version i love the gamecube version but over the wii version at least so um similar situation there um but yeah it was that cross-generation issue where like you like you would think that the Wii version, okay, I can play this with a GameCube controller probably, but I guess not. I thought you were going to say that the um, the Game Boy Advance version was the one to kind of play. It's very different, obviously. It's more of a, it's an old school right. 2D brawler, but it looks really fun. So, and I was going to, I was, I'm glad you mentioned that because I meant to touch base on that one. So the GBA version, which was developed by the same team that did the Scott Pilgrim game. Yeah. Um, it's literally the same mechanics. You can see so many similarities um, it is a great beat em up. Mm-hmm. The problem I actually had with the GBA version that I felt nobody really kind of mentioned was the soundtrack. The soundtrack was very generic. Mm. And I felt like that was the biggest issue I had with that. And on top of the fact that it had no co op. And it was actually a beat em up without co op. Hmm. So there's no way to link play with right. anybody. True. Um, but that being said, it's still a great game that's still worth playing. The DS and PSP versions, I would avoid like the plague. <laughs> yeah, they're they're a bit rough looking. I'm not sure what was going on with that DS version. It's it's more like an endless runner kind of thing, more focusing on platforming I, than combat. I wish it was an endless runner <laughs> as opposed to whatever it was. It was like if there was a game with a control system that I still to this day can't explain properly, this is that game. Interesting. It does not make sense. Um you have to use the face buttons to kind of jump to certain platforms, but sometimes it's like, all right, so you, if you press like X, it'll jump forward. If you just press Y, he jumps to a platform on the left, A, a platform on the right. B, you charge up your jump if it's a certain pole you're vaulting off of. But okay. sometimes that doesn't all line up. Sometimes like, oh, the platform on the left, oh, you have to press X. Oh, God. But like, and if you don't time it right, you're penalized on your score. Right. It, it's just, it's 
awful design. And I, I remember just shaking my head when I was playing it. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, they had the GBA version that was perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. All they had to do was pull it. I was going to say, I wish that the DS, the PSP, and the GBA version were all the same. But the Game Boy Advance version is almost, it's kind of categorized as a completely different game from the other uh, six versions. Like you look up TMNT, the game, and you get all the information on the PS2 and the Wii and the DS. And then there's a completely different like Wikipedia article and page and everything for the GBA game. So it's treated like it's a completely different product, basically, because it, it is. Um, but it, it just looks so much better. It's too bad that the um, the GameCube and the GBA version couldn't have talked to each other in some way. Like if you connect your Game Boy Advance to the GameCube with the the games uh, in in the console sort of thing. Maybe you unlock <laughs> some more arcade ports with the wrong music or something. But <laughs> who knows? They could have done something pretty cool with these two games because like they could have done something pretty cool with a lot of these games if they had added a, a GBA um some GBA communication. But so you own three versions of this game or did you just borrow the DS version? So I own the Wii, the GameCube, the GBA and the DS versions wow. of this game. Four copies. So that explains this game across all platforms sold 1.1 million copies. So it had to have been because of, <laughs> of folks like you who picked up at least two versions of it because there were so many different ways to play it. That's interesting. But Ubisoft were on top of the world at, at this time. Like, you know, obviously they didn't have Far Cry and Assassin's Creed yet. But at this time, you know, we talked about they had Prince of Persia. They had this game. They also had Splinter Cell. They had Beyond Good and Evil. Um, so yeah, they're, they're going through it and I, they're going through a bit of an identity crisis these days, which is too bad, but, uh, this would have been one of the last, uh, TMNT, I guess, anything, video game, movie, show, before they were, uh, bought by Nickelodeon in, uh, 2010, so since then we've had a few different TMNT games, shows, uh, games now, um, so it's under a completely different umbrella now, but, I guess now we'll move into a bit of our uh, closing uh, thoughts now about TMNT in general. What what do you want to see going forward from from the Mutant Ninja Turtles? I mean, honestly, I, I feel like this is one of those questions that if I was asked last year, whatever the answer, whatever happened, happened now. So it's like Calabunga Collection would be something I would have wished happened, and it did. Mm-hmm. Um, a new TMNT game, it happened. I'm still sitting here waiting for my physical <laughs> copy of it so I can play it, but it happened, and I'm psyched about that. Mm-hmm. The next thing I guess I would actually like to see, and honestly, I think I, I might be overseeing it, but I want to. I'm kind of thinking that there will be a second collection of the 3D TMNT games that Konami made. Mm, okay. And the reason I state that is because in the Calabunga collection, the main menu music when you're scrolling through everything is actually a song from the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2003 game. Oh, okay. That's a good. That's a good little Easter egg there. Then I think you're going to see it. So And I noticed that right away, and I'm like, you know, it's interesting. For the 13 games this has, they used a song for one of the newer <laughs> games. Yeah, that's weird. So I didn't know if that was maybe a subtle Easter egg, just being like, uh uh-huh, anybody who catches that, you'll pick up on that. We're making another collection. And I think it would be great to see that given another lifespan, because I think if they even just remaster a little bit of 2 and 3 with the frame rate being 60 frames, maybe clean up some latency issues with the controls mm-hmm. i think those games might actually have a shot at being so much so much better mm-hmm. for people to come back and revisit do you think you'd want to see mutant melee in that package too i feel like they'd have to beef it out a little bit they can't really go from 13 games to three so maybe they need to slip in that fourth one there with uh with the mutant melee game honestly i would ho- i would actually like them to partner up with ubisoft on this one and just say hey we're gonna you know put mutant melee in there too mm-hmm. as their last release sure but also get the movie-based game 
but all of them get you know put on there the 360 gamecube whatever version put on there the, the crappy ds psp version oh okay put the gba version i like that and then and then on top of that just for the hell of it because you can't get this anymore put on turtles in time reshelled which ubisoft remade for better or worse more on worse <laughs> but it was still a thing yeah. um there was you know then there was an additional game this isn't ubisoft though this I don't know, was, was it the game from like 2015 2016 i think it was platinum did that one the tmnt game like five or six years no. ago so Mutants of Manhattan, that was 2016, yeah. which is a great... Oh, well, I'm sorry. It's a really good game that had its issues, but is a guilty pleasure for me and one that I've played... I've put, like, 50 hours into Damn. that. Yeah. Um, only because I kept replaying it. <laughs> I, I had a lot of fun with it. But What's that one called again? It's uh, TMNT... Uh, Mutants of Manhattan. Okay. I thought that was in Manhattan. Let's see here. Looking it up right now. Mutants in Manhattan video game. Yeah. IGN did not like it. Uh, yeah, it's Platinum Games. Yeah, yeah. It, the the one that came out before that, there was a few that came out before that. There's one in particular that was digital only. Can't get it. Now, also, can't get this anymore. Was called uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Out of the Shadows. This was actually an interesting game, as one of those games that the controls sucked and was very laggy. But the and the turtles looked kind of weird. But the game itself was interesting. Like it was actually a decent 3D action game for the turtles. Hmm. That just didn't get. I think it's a game that it came out on the 360 first, did awful. The PS3 version came out like two years later almost, where they actually fixed some of the issues from the 360 version. Um, It was still kind of sloppy, but just to preserve it at this point, I feel like that second collection might have to have multiple publishers just to get games on there. Just for preservation's sake, at this point, the, it, uh, it's too bad that a lot of those 3D games are in licensing hell. But hey, I mean, like just a few weeks ago, we've seen GoldenEye is coming out to Switch and going to be online. And a few short weeks ago, we thought that game was never going to see the light of day again. So I think you'll probably see some kind of 3D collection of TMNT games on modern hardware. Which games are in that collection is going to be interesting to see because there are quite a few. Um, so I'm excited to see it. I would love, I would love to see the GameCube games come back again because i think you're right they could definitely be improved there's definitely some good parts of them um so we'll just ha- we'll just have to wait and see but until then marcello thank you so much for joining me today on this uh, very special episode our tmnt episode we'll have to invite you back on again in the future because i'm sure mike and i are going to have another reason to talk about uh, the heroes in the half shells again um <laughs> but until then uh why don't you let the listeners know uh where they can find you on youtube uh Twitter, Instagram, please uh, promote your platform. Sure. You can find me on YouTube at GameCube Galaxy. I try to put a video out every other Sunday, so once every two weeks. Um, I try to cover a variety of topic-based videos, uh, reviews, top tens. I cover anything and everything GameCube related. Uh, The biggest thing for me is to try to do the GameCube justice in a video format by providing high-quality content for the system and the library of games, for better or worse, depending on the games being covered. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram, both tags at GameCube Galaxy, one word, where I post several updates. Whether Twitter, I'll let you guys know what I'm working on occasionally. And then on Instagram, I'll be more than happy to share some parts of my collection, promote when a new video is live. And I even do some polls on uh, comparing which game you guys preferred more in a series. So I try to keep the community active. 
Sweet. Yeah. No, Mike and I are both huge fans of your YouTube channel. Like I said, that's how I found you to come on the show today. So uh, really excited to to see more videos. I just got a recommended one actually for your Marvel games on GameCube, I believe it was called. So I'm going to ch- oh, yes. be checking that one out soon because uh, I'm a huge fan of the Spider-Man games and uh, Ultimate Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2 specifically. So I mm-hmm. uh, can't wait to check that one out. Um, but until then, uh, Marcello, uh, stay well and uh, we'll have you again on the show real soon. Sounds good. Thank you, Neil. What a nice young man. That was a lot of fun uh, interviewing a caller for the first time by myself without Mike on the show. But uh, the one hour is up. So Mike, assuming that there were no problems at the border, should be getting back to the studio any minute now. So uh, let's just wait here until he does. Oh, I think I hear him coming in now, actually. Uh, oh, well, Neil, uh, if you can hear me, uh, that was a long journey, but uh, I did not get Michelle from Ferndale, Michigan, of TMNT fame to come on the show. I'm very upset about that. Uh, but what I miss here, we I heard that you did end up getting a guest to come on in my absence. I did, yes. I had GameCube Galaxy Marcello on oh. the show to talk a bunch about his uh, history with the games. He's played them all, uh, beat them all, anticipated them all when they came out. He bought them all at launch with oh his my brother. God. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was crazy. Like, he, he loves TMNT, and he had a lot of great things to say about these games. A lot of... A lot of uh, criticism towards the games. Obviously, these games are not perfect, but obviously they have a lot of uh, potential to be great games. And we talked a lot about how, you know, with the recent Kawabunga collection mm-hmm. and the TMNT's recent resurgence in 2D, he's kind of hoping that maybe they come back and make a, a 3D collection. He's thinking that that's probably what's going to be the next steps for for the franchise. But uh, you came back at a perfect time, actually, Mike. I have not read the back of the cases yet, so I thought maybe we could do that right now. Sure, that sounds great, Neil. Yeah, I, uh, just just on on the the two D three D point there, uh, mm. a lot of these games, it's one. This is like one of those franchises. I think that other games do it better now. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like <laughs> it, they really did lay lay the groundwork, especially in the nineties with the arcade games and the SNES games for creating these amazing two D fighters. And I think of games like Scott Pilgrim vs. the World as a very much uh, TMNT kind of clone that just does it better in a lot of ways. And uh, so it's great that we have Cowabunga Collection now to kind of relive those memories. And some of these 3D games are not bad. Like, I'm not sure what you decided is the best game. I guess we're going to talk at the end of this. But um, but for me, the the only game here that I played a lot of was the just the, the game named Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 2003. Uh, that's that's a fantastic game. I love that game. And it's a lot of fun to play. And it's a good mix of action and adventure in that sense. So, um, But we will see. Uh, uh, let's read the back of the cases first, Neil, and we'll talk, we'll talk about these games. All right. Sounds good. But first, Victor... Hit us with that sweet jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, prepare for ninja kick butt fighting as you face the Shredder and his vile pack of foot ninjas. Everything is sideways, so I need to read this side. <laughs> Team up in the story mode for a single or two-player cooperative game. Kick some ninja butt with cool combos and special action. Go head-to-head in versus mode. Then we had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Specialized moves for each turtle. 
play with up to four players. I can't believe they got that in the second game. Venture with the Turtles to Shell and back in TMNT 2 Battle Nexus. Pick up the action on a strange new planet with mysterious new technology. Two tail kicking modes deliver green knuckled action including story and Battle Nexus mode. Then we had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 Mutant Nightmare. Mutate your turtles as you play. Unlock turtles in time. Wait, this is weird. It, uh, it ascends up. Alright. Earn experience points. Develop the ultimate turtle. All new target attack system. Unlock turtles in time. In their latest adventure, the turtles are ready to work as a team. With four player and single player modes, the turtles are always watching each other's back and looking for action. Then we had TMNT Mutant Melee. Run with the turtles as they trash, smash, and bash their way to victory in the ultimate four player Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles action game. Last but not least, we have TMNT the movie tie-in game. Not much not much here to read. <laughs> Over the top ninja action. Play the TMNT characters, each with a unique fighting style. Scale buildings and leap from rooftops. Use tag team moves to crush powerful enemies. Unite the turtles and save the city. Whew, a few games there, back to back. Not too bad. I, I love how the TMNT 2, I think they did this in the dialogue too, but they loved using shell in place of hell. They <laughs> even had, they couldn't even stop from putting it on the Jeez. back of the case. Yeah, it feels like we've said TMNT and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles about a thousand oh. times in this episode already. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I got I got stumbled up so many times saying TMNT, Teenage Mutant, blah, 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 gets hard after a while, but... Anyway, Mike, what from these five games that we, or Marcello and I talked about today, uh, which of these five games do you suggest the listeners out there pick up, and are there any games that you yourself are now looking for? Well, I did my research uh, uh, because I wanted to talk to our friend in, in Michigan about uh, uh, about the Turtles, so I did w- uh, watch gameplay and, and study some gameplay of the other games uh, other than the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game that I played, the 2003 one, and... For, for me, at least, that seemed to be the best one just because of my memories of it. I loved playing it. I had so much fun playing it. Uh, and uh, I actually got it as a – it was on a the Mario Kart Double Dash demo disc, actually. That's where I first played it. And I ended up renting it at Blockbuster like a 100 times because I had a lot of fun with it. So that would probably be my pick. Um, the Mutant Melee seemed really interesting because it is a fighter brawler kind of style, which is, you know, what – uh, what I kind of like about uh, TMNT. So uh, that one would be fun too. I think uh, almost giving like a bit of a smash setting uh, in that. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, those those would be my picks, Neil. What about you? Nice. I I mean, after talking uh, about it with uh, with Marcello, I I think that the trilogy itself is actually kind of worth picking up. Maybe not yet. I think I'm I am going to wait for a collection to come out because mm-hmm. I think I think he's right. I think we are going to get that. Um, just because these games are very expensive now, uh, combined the, the whole trilogy, if you're looking to pick it up Canadian, you're looking at between 150 and $200 on a good day. So mm-hmm. it's a pricey investment for, for three games that are, like you said, okay, good 3d beat em ups. Um, a lot also, like you said, a lot of these 2d games have gotten better over the, over the years. Um, but in terms of 3d action brawlers with four players, there aren't really a lot of those actually. It seems no. like that that genre itself kind of lives and dies in this generation, I know that there are some uh, some outliers there that came out in the 7th gen and even currently, especially with online. But with Couch Co-op, I think that these games are up there with being some of the better ones on the GameCube. Love those cel-shaded graphics in the trilogy. Uh, I like the attempt at the arcade modes that they put in there, even though they did miss the music in those games. It is just the base game for the arcade port of TMNT and TMNT uh, Turtles in Time. 
Uh, it's still a pretty cool thing to pack in. Also, I love the little history museums that they throw in there as well. I think that's great. They even did that with the Cowabunga collection. I think that more franchises should do that, throwing in pictures of old comics and posters and and magazine clippings and everything else so uh yeah i think that that trilogy is really cool i might try and actually pick up if i had to pick one game though uh go for the the movie game just because it is so similar to prince of persia sense of time it's made by ubisoft yeah. uh ties in nicely to a movie that might actually be okay um so if anybody out there is looking for like a prince of persia kind of clone on on the gamecube uh definitely pick out tmnt because it basically is that very very late game too 2000 yes. march 2007 wow i know <laughs> yeah it's on every platform basically it was on 360 it was on wii it was on ds and psp it, everything it got the whole it went through the whole gamut but uh mike what do you think the future is of uh, tmnt games do you think that uh we'll see some new 3d games on nintendo anytime soon we already are like you said it seems like well i mean with cowbunga collection obviously giving it some life and we did have a new there was a new turtles game out in 2022, the Shredder's Revenge, uh, like you said. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think I think it's not going to die as long as these things are being sold. And uh, it seems like from news I've read that Cowabunga Collection was received very well. And yes. I think did commercially very well, uh, too. So, yeah, I think this is nice to talk actually about a franchise that, that <laughs> will definitely be on Nintendo consoles in the future. You know, we, we had Metal Gear and we had um, uh, Beyond... Uh, good and evil which are two ones that are looking iffy to ever be on nintendo console again so uh i can safely say that the turtles will be back on nintendo consoles yeah i agree with you and i'm glad that they're coming back in this arcade way i think that it's kind of a cool way to almost reboot them and re Mm -hmm. refresh people's memories on where the turtles got their start kind of almost get reintroduced to them you know uh because we haven't seen them in this style in in so long really since the game boy advance maybe with the tmnt game uh, which looks really fun. But um, yeah, I, I really can't wait to play the Cowabunga and Treader's Revenge. It is in my backlog to play at some point. Um, so yeah, I think from there, we will definitely see them come back in the 3D space, whether it's uh, a port and a remaster or whatever of these GameCube games or something completely new. I don't really think it matters all that much because these games are so similar. You're always just going to be playing as the four turtles, eventually leading up to fight Shredder. So as long as they get that Uh, formula in there i think it'll be totally fine i hope that they don't go the ubisoft route and make it this massive open world game that requires 100 hours of gameplay i would love i would love to see a really good like 15 hour turtles campaign yeah Uh, something like an arkham game or like one of the recent spider-man games something like that would be so cool uh, to play and you know get a nice little platinum in there. But uh, Mike, while I'm sitting in my basement here waiting for a classic 3D TMNT game to come back to my Switch, why don't I let the listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 114 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. Next week, Neil, we are taking a break. I'm on vacation again, well, for work this time. And uh, we, you know, sometimes we can't make our schedules work, but we will make sure to always have an episode for you every week. And we're actually going to be talking about the Panasonic Q, Neil, a uh, very cool little uh i guess you could call uh, a version of the gamecube i guess you could call it yeah uh and the history of it and yeah i learned a lot doing some research of it and i'm kind of excited to talk about it i don't own one yet yet is the the key word (laughs) (laughs) well i hope i wish you all the best in your search for that uh, weird silver cube it is a weird piece of nintendo's history and It's been a requested episode for us, actually, quite a bit. We do have a lot of topics that we we hear you. We do hear the comments. People do say, like, hey, you should cover this, you should cover that. The Panasonic Q is one of those things that we got 
early on, I think, as mm-hmm. one of like the console variants and the queue is always, it's basically the holy grail of everybody's uh, console collecting. So really excited to talk about that with you next week while you're on vacation. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode 113 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us a rating and a review so we can make the show better. You can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube was cool. All patrons get the show ad free and a little early. Thank you so much to everybody over there. You can check out our merch store on tpublic.com. Link to the store is in the episode description. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, and join the weekly conversation on our Discord channel. Share us with your friends and family. Tell Michelle Ivy, Mike says hi, because he missed her in Michigan. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. To the power! What did they say? They don't morph. It's not like morphin' time in Turtle. I, I'm so behind on this thing. They just say Turtle Power because they like Turtle like, Power? Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of wish that they morphed, you know? <laughs> Teenage Morphin Ninja Turtles. <laughs> what would their base form be? <laughs> Franklin? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs>